Greetings and welcome back to In Light of the Gospel. This is episode 49. Almost at 50 conversations here already, so it's been a real blessing for me to get to know a bunch of these guys. And I hope that many of you have also been enjoying hearing these stories of how people come out of darkness and into the light of the gospel. So today's conversation came about in an interesting way. I put out word on my WhatsApp status and on my Facebook asking if any of you had recommendations of who I might talk to. Or maybe you yourself would like to come on and share your story with the world. And I had a couple people reach out to me, but I don't think I got more than two or maybe three names. And interestingly enough, I had this name come up twice from two different people on my contact list that I don't think really knew each other or had any contact with each other. So today's guest is Johnny Friesen. He's a local man from the area as well. Old colony background, similar to many of us. He's a truck driver, so just an ordinary guy. But he really loves the Lord. He got pretty drastically saved about four or five years ago with, through the Men's Encounter Ministry. And he's quite passionate now about getting the word out and sharing the gospel with people. So he's shared his testimony on a few occasions in the last uh, few months maybe or a year for the way I understand it. And he's shared it with more detail, less detail. And so I think you'll get a real blessing and a joy out of this. If, not, if nothing else, hopefully you'll know someone else who needs to hear this type of testimony. He was raised in a rough upbringing, you know, a very difficult childhood in so many ways like a lot of us did. And uh, he's not using it as a crutch. He's not becoming a victim. He's recognizing who he is and he's rejoicing in what God has made him to be. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to this conversation. change their lives right mm -hmm. and uh, I kind of knew where they were coming from so I could ask questions that I knew you know like so when, when did this happen or when did that happen yeah and it's you know it was I knew there was good information there yeah. and there's a, been a few where I don't know the guy and he doesn't know me and I'm, we're actually literally just getting to know each other kind of like today right yep but uh, if your life has been touched by God and Christ has come and be, become important to you then there's something to share there, right? That's right. We we live our whole lives now in the light of the gospel, right? Yep. So that's, that, the gospel changed everything for me, for sure. Amen. Yeah, I know when I uh, first got saved and um, just seeing the world in a whole different light. Yeah. And I remember saying to my wife, because I called my wife up and then I, I said to her, like, this man that I used to be, I will come home and I won't be that man anymore. Like yeah, I am. I, I could feel finally God, because, you know, when I... When I finally seen what Christ did on the cross for me, then I felt like I felt the Spirit come over me, mm -hmm. and not only that, I just felt different. Like my desires and everything just oh, yeah. instantly different. Not everybody experiences that the same, but I've heard of people who say they go outside and all of a sudden the birds sound different and the colors look more vibrant mm -hmm. because before they were living a life that kind of meaningless and hopeless and just felt like there was really no purpose to it, and then all of a sudden the lights come on and. I'm saved by the God of the universe, and yeah. He's given me a place in eternity. Yeah. And now, all of a sudden, everything means something. Right? Yeah. I thought about things, even simple things like school. Like in school, I just kind of like whatever. I'll get enough to pass, and yep. not a big deal. All of a sudden, I got saved, and I'm like, I want to learn. Yeah. I want to know stuff. Yeah. I want to know history. I want to know the Bible. I want to like, you know. Yeah, that's kind of my story too. Like, especially in the last, I would say, year, kind of learn about where we came from and that one uh, pot, uh, that one uh, it was a teaching that you did I think at Springfield probably it was uh, it's on your channel too I think or on a different channel but anyways uh, the teaching about um, 
the, like Men of Simon's uh, mm. uh, writings or whatever. Yeah. Like stuff like that. That really interests me to see where we came from and where we are now, right? Like yeah. the Mennonites, and yeah. Like it's it's easy for us to think that maybe we're better than our forefathers because they knew the gospel at one time, mm-hmm. or like the our ancestors did, Menno Simons and some of yep. his followers, and maybe that generation or two. And then we think, well, now we know the gospel, we're going to do better. Mm-hmm. But you can go through 10, 20, 30 years, of, or even just watch a church who did this 20, 30 years ago and where they are now, and it's like you can see people slowly slip back yep. in. Slap, you know, it becomes comfortable, it becomes something you're familiar with, yep. and then before you know it, you can become religious, and then your children don't know any better. Yeah. Like, think about you and me. We were heading down a path of dark, religious, I don't know your personal story yet, uh, where we're very religious, very stuck in our ways, but we're sinful. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the lights come on and we realize, I don't need to do this. Christ saved me. And then our kids grow up in an environment where Christ saves, Christ saves, Christ yeah. saves. They might make some trouble. They, maybe they get into bad trouble. Hopefully not. But they grow up their whole life knowing Jesus only, you know. Mm-hmm. Is there any real strong conversion? Like they're, they're obviously they need to repent. Yeah. Obviously they need to trust Christ. But they're not going that way. They're kind of, you know, being raised in a good home. But yep. they still need to turn north, right? Exactly. You can't just kind of be neutral. Yep. You need to make a decision. You need to walk after what he's done, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, I've, uh, we've talked about that too, me and my wife. Like, for our children, like, they have a huge head start on us, right? Like, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I don't want them, I don't want the gospel to not to mean nothing That's to right. them, right? Like, to instill this in them that the gospel is very important yeah and uh, on one hand it's like unless they they are sinners they won't see the beauty of the gospel Mm -hmm. so do i want them to go sin no 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 of course not but i want them to see that even the smallest little thing that you might do that is displeasing to god it still lands you in hell exactly you know so you need to watch out you know even my little children at seven or eight i won't I won't guilt trip them with a bunch of scripture like Bible says, Bible says, Bible says. But when I'm dealing with some sin that they've committed, even though to them it's not quite sin because they don't have the the mindset yet to understand it, I'll say to them, you know how you hurt your brother there like that? Mm-hmm. That same attitude is exactly what the murderer does. If you go down this path that you just started on and continue down that path without being checked by me or by others, you end up becoming a murderer. Mm-hmm. And that's where Jesus says, if you look with lust, you commit adultery. If you're angry without a cause, you're committing murder. Yep. And so we have to somehow convince our children that left to your own devices, just because you were raised good, you're not any better than than the Hollywoodites out there. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So take us back then. Where were you born? I was actually born here in uh, Ontario, Seaforth, Ontario. Okay. So it's up by, I think, close to Metro somewhere. And that would be early 90s? Yeah, 94. 94, okay. So yeah, I was born uh, born down there. and We kind of moved around a bit. But the uh, earliest memories I have is, uh, my mom says I was around three years old. And uh, we, we lived on a dairy farm out, I think, in Princeton area. But, um, yeah, and then uh, from there... Um, yeah, kind of in the Langton area of okay. where we stayed. You never lived in Mexico? It, actually, we in 98, we moved to Mexico and then back, uh, came back in 99, 2000, something like that. Okay. So, yeah, I did live in Mexico for a bit. Did you actually go to school down there, too? And, and then, uh, yeah, we came back and moved to Glenmire area. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, from there we moved to Coltus and from Coltus back to Glenmire area and then my dad bought a farm out in Glenmire so that's kind of where mm. my childhood was yeah. where most memories from my childhood I guess gotcha would most of your uh, childhood have been speaking German or English yeah 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 okay yeah my parents were always like uh, right? yeah for sure at home especially yeah but uh, I remember at one point because like, we used to go to uh, Houghton Public School and at one point so yeah I think it was in grade four when we switched over to the private school in Walsingham and uh, I remember Plotich actually being hard for me to speak and uh, especially when people would come down from Mexico they they were so quick at it yeah and then I did I, I feel I felt like if I had to just talk German I couldn't uh, mm-hmm. I just I always stumbled in my words, but got better later on. But now the last couple of years, I guess, kind of slacked in that yeah. area again. Yeah, for me, I was uh, born and raised in Canada also and never spoke, never had to speak German. My parents were not quite as dogmatic about that. They wanted us to do it, but they didn't enforce it. Yeah. So we just very quickly reverted back to English, English, English. It was so much easier. Yeah. But I can understand everything. You know, if people come and speak oh, yeah. German, there's no trouble. Yeah. But when I have to try to get sentences out, or sometimes people ask me if I can preach or share in German, I'm like, unless I spend, you know, two or three, four months somewhere forced to speak German, then maybe. Yeah. But the way it sits right now, I would stumble around way too much. Yeah. Yeah, I guess for me it would be the same. Like, I uh, I can talk. Uh, I, yeah, I, I can talk very uh, well with others that that can only talk Plotich, but I there's a lot of words in there that... They're probably not in the right order. Or yeah. And when you hear a, a German sp- a preacher, maybe from Mexico or something, they often mix in an English word that sounds kind of German, or they'll use a Spanish word that sounds. Or even Hüchtich. Yeah. And because there isn't a low German word, so they throw it in there, and yeah. it just sounds okay. I guess that works. Yeah. Everybody knows what you're talking about. Yeah. I always found it funny. My grandpa, before he passed, he'd often say, "Just a Max has or he would uh, refer mm-hmm. back to what a Max had said, and then. And we never like so the Ailand design or like, that doesn't really happen in the low German. It's more always the max of what the max design that they mm-hmm. compare to Spanish. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I grew up, grew up on a farm. Um, so a pretty good childhood that way. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, one thing I really appreciate from my dad was uh, the work ethics that he taught us. Mm-hmm. That and uh, even like, yeah, we weren't really taught the gospel because how are you supposed to share the gospel when you don't know the gospel yourself, mm-hmm. right? But, uh, yeah, like, a lot of Christian, good Christian values that they taught us, like, not to steal. And I remember I stole one thing one time. And uh, when I got baptized, I went back there and, and uh, confessed it to, it was at a thrift store that I stole a $10 item, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, was, I was always so, con- it was always on my conscience. I hated that yep. I had done it. And I ne- the thing that I actually stole, I never even used it because it was just. It, too dirty. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, when I actually went and paid for it uh, that that felt good yeah but uh, yeah they like my parents they instilled a, a lot of uh, good christian values in, into us but uh yeah from very young on worked very hard and but uh i always felt like i could never do nothing right right like this i i think it's because of the way our our uh, fathers have grown up they they could never please their fathers either right they would never get a well done right mm. and uh yeah, I remember the one uh, night I was on the field uh, till like two, three in the morning, cutting down asparagus, and uh, uh, my dad came to the field. I was just finishing up, right, and 
And I thought, now he's going to be like, you know what, good job, well done. Like, he hated the job himself, right? He hated doing the, because it was very dusty. But it had to be done. But it had to be done. And, yeah, and, and, and it also, you get a small window in the spring to do it because of mm-hmm. the, it had to be dry so enough and everything. Too. Yeah, so I remember him coming to the field, and I thought, like, this time I'll get a well done, right? Or, you know, good job or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, right away he complained about uh, how I hadn't uh, cut straight. Like, my tracks were off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember thinking this tractor doesn't even have lighting. Like how am I supposed to be driving straight and whatnot all? And that was very, I was very disappointed because I thought for sure a good, good job is coming, right? But yeah. I didn't get that. And it's amazing how long that, how far that can take you, though, right? Oh, yeah. Like you work till all hours of the night if you have someone that you respect say, "Man, that's a good job." Yeah, yeah. And I, I looking back, I can see that many times where I did that, where I tried to go above and beyond, and always expecting a good job but it was always you know we could have done this or you could have done that but mm-hmm. there's always room for improvement right the funny thing is i was talking to somebody the other day here as well and he was saying that it seems like our our fathers uh just didn't really know how to communicate some of yeah. that if you ask them now especially my dad i talked to him often about this kind of stuff and he he wishes he could have shown more affection or appreciation or whatever just been more involved he just didn't know how to communicate it. So sometimes, all of a sudden, you catch your dad bragging to somebody else about you, mm-hmm. about, and it's like, oh, he does actually, yeah. you know. Yeah, they, they, they weren't. I love you, or to say I'm proud of you? Nah. Yeah, they weren't taught it. So, you know, and it's a generational thing. Like, we don't start, when are, when, are, when is it going to start, right? Mm-hmm. So There's that joke where the wife says to the husband, you know, you never tell me you love me anymore. Well, I told you on the day we got married, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. But it's such an ignorant way of thinking, right? Because people can't read your thoughts. Yeah. Even if you have a deep appreciation for somebody, you think, well, I can't say it. I, I'm, I'm really big on masculinity, being a man. And sometimes along with that being a man idea comes this mindset that, I don't need to tell anybody how I'm feeling. I'm not going to tell anybody what's going on inside. And you look at David. Who's more masculine than King David? Yeah. The guy killed Goliath, cuts his head off, holds it yep. in the air. Like, there's nobody more masculine than David. And then you read the Psalms, and they're him pouring out his heart, exactly. and weeping, and telling about his feelings, and singing songs. Like, you want to be masculine? <laughs> Let's start writing music. Let's, yep. you know, oh, man, that doesn't sound masculine. I want to be tough on a tractor in yep. the woods, right? Yeah. But goes both ways you know you gotta you gotta be that tough guy that can take care of a family and also still say hey look i really appreciate you i really care for you so, exactly so you're looking for that appreciation could never quite measure up always yeah. falling short yeah and then uh, i remember from a young age always that uh, like so i was six or seven somewhere around there then i started gaining weight up, up until then i wasn't uh, overweight or anything and and uh, my dad I, I think looking back now i can see that he wanted to help me but back then, I did not see it as that, and uh, he'd often uh, like pointed out that I was, you know, what I'm a to or whatever. Um, he, yeah, if I was complaining about something, he'd be like, you know, basketball to pot or whatever, and he could always push, uh, rub that in, right? Always guilting. Yeah, and then uh, eventually he, they even made me start exercising. But now looking back, like we did not eat healthy at all, right. and especially on the cucumber machine, like. We had chips and these cakes, like, unlimited. Yeah. And, you know, I and for me, I have a very low metabolism. Like, I can see exactly why I gained so much weight so fast. Sure. But, uh, and then I, you know, I see him, now looking back, I can see where he's trying to help me. But it was kind of hurting me in, in a sense, I guess. Yeah. 
and then even as far as you know humiliating me in in front of uh, other people and it uh, that made me even like inside even more um feel unwanted right yeah um so yeah and that kind of led me down this dark road where uh, very self-conscious yeah very self-conscious and especially when someone would uh point something out in front of other people like that uh that just Mm. even more damage i can i'm i don't know if you know this but i can totally identify with that when i was grade two or three about seven or eight i started gaining a bunch of weight so i was always a chubby kid okay i was bigger than most people so i i tried to just be tough right yeah. that way and you try to be funny and whatnot yeah. all too people wouldn't make fun of me then maybe if i'm tougher than everybody yeah. and so that's what i tried to do and then even during my teenage years i just tried to get strong i worked out at the gym a lot and stuff but i just couldn't lose the fat same idea not eating healthy and all that yeah. kind of stuff genetics was something to do with it as well and you know anybody would come along and maybe flick my chest yeah. oh man it was so embarrassing and frustrating and i was so conscious of always doing this with my shirt yeah and just it's really uncomfortable yep yeah i guess uh there it's uh something that i still struggle with to this day like i i uh i'm trying to lose the weight Mm-hmm. I've actually lost 43 pounds already since wow. July, so you. I'm working on it. But yep. yeah, and not not just because of the weight, but uh, health issues, right? Like yep. Driving truck and being that big. Sitting is first of all is really yeah. bad. Yeah, sitting first of all, and, and uh, yeah, so I want to be healthier. Wow. And that way I can be there for my kids too. When when they want to start throwing balls and whatnot, all that yep. I yep. I can actually do it, right? Yeah. But yeah, so that kind of led me to down this road of feeling unwanted and mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah I guess uh, I'm sure my my dad looking back now he can see how he was hard on me um, but I always felt like I couldn't I I couldn't do anything like my siblings would get away with a lot more than me right at least that's how it felt to you right? yeah and I remember a couple times where I did the same thing as they did and then I would get punished for it and they didn't so I started seeing that, and then I just felt even more hated. And, and self-pity came in there too, right? Sure. Like, um, yeah, pity myself too. And then especially when someone else would mention how I was getting treated, and it just it went all right Feeds into my into head. into it, right? Oh, yeah. But yeah, and then uh, and when I was, uh, fif- I think it was a 15-ish, um, one evening, things got out of hand between me and my dad, and, and uh, he beat me a lot more than... I'm sure he, well, he has um, apologized for it, um, so I'm sure he regrets it, but he beat me a lot more than he should have, and, uh, and it was for something that I wasn't guilty either uh, for, so um, that night, yeah, things got out of hand, and he said some things that he re- he regrets, but uh, and along the lines of he was going to take my life, and that night I went to bed disappointed that he hadn't done it, right? Because mm-hmm. I felt like if I had nothing to live for anymore. And that's when I became very suicidal. And uh, That's at about 15 years old? Yeah, around 15 years. I'm not sure, give or take. But, uh, yeah, and I had uh, two younger brothers, so they would have been... Yeah, they were young anyways. And uh, the whole reason why I never went through with it was every time I wanted to do it, I... I thought of them and I was just thinking like, you know, my dad might give them a story of me that that wasn't true, right? And at that point I had already heard many stories going around 
like from my dad's uh, buddies about me that uh, that weren't true so i guess i don't know if he he lied these things up to um cover his tracks and uh i guess he was going down a dark road and kind of shifted the blame on me that was a I was basically the prodigal son, right? And how many siblings do you have? I have a two, well, an older brother. He's mentally handicapped, and then an older sister, and then I got two younger sisters yet, and four younger brothers. So okay. there's nine of us total, anyways. Okay, so you would have been kind of seen as the oldest brother. Yeah, since my brother, who was he's two years or so older than me, but mm-hmm. yeah, he's mentally handicapped, but. I'm not even sure where I was going with this. <clears throat> you were getting, uh, feeling like you were being mistreated and maybe even being punished, and your dad was maybe making up stories. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, my dad was, uh, I had heard some stories that he had been uh, making up, or, yeah, that he had told his buddies and uh, that weren't true. So, this, uh, yeah, it just fe- it fed that um, unwanting feeling, right, in, in, uh, the idea of committing suicide and but at the same time I couldn't I couldn't do it because I didn't want my brothers to not know who I, who I really was right because mm-hmm. they're young at this point and, and I, I figured they would never remember me for who I actually was right so that always stopped me and I'm, I thank God for that right um, but yeah so I never never actually went through with that and then yeah, I guess did the whole. How about through like fifteen to twenty ish? Were you kind of a typical Mennonite? Just went to church Sundays and do your stuff, or did you party and drink, or how was that? Yeah, there was uh, so for the most part we went to church, but there was like my dad has his own past, and there was times where we were probably too broke to even fill up the vehicle. I couldn't really uh, afford to even go to church, but. Uh, but he had the farm already at this point. Yeah. My dad lost the farm in 08. Oh, okay. I think it was 08 or 09. But, uh, yeah, so we were on the farm. and But, yeah, uh, so church was in and out of the picture, I guess. I remember young, being young, going to Sunday school and not all, like, and then it kind of, I think it kind of fell apart after 2006. It kind of slowly started falling apart, the farm, and dad couldn't make ends meet, and, yeah, probably around 2009 that he sold the farm. That's tough. I can only imagine what he was all going through, eh? Oh, yeah. Big family and losing the farm. Yeah. Was he trying to make money just with the farm? Yeah, that, okay. that was his main income. He did drive truck in the winter, mm-hmm. but the uh, farm was main, the main income. So, yeah, and then uh, my teenage years, I started drinking from very young. I, I always felt like I had, to, I was always around friends that were older than me, and then so I got introduced to alcohol. Easy enough to get alcohol when somebody's two or three years older. Yeah, and then if some, like, some of my friends, they had older brothers or yeah. cousins or uncles or whatever that could buy booze. And, and it's a it's pretty rare, it's a pretty rare Mennonite boy that escapes alcoholism to some degree, eh? Yeah. I was in a bit of a unique crowd that way where my friends, we all had decided early on that that was not something we were interested in. I wasn't raised very old old-fashioned like i guess mm-hmm. so we didn't have it wasn't like we were in the bunch yeah with the rest of the mennonites and stuff like that so i, I never did get into alcohol but there you go so many of the young people especially it seems like the ones that are in the bunch you know, yeah that hang out on the street and stuff like that and yeah almost all of them get into that alcohol and, and tobacco and then who knows what kind of drugs now right yeah no, there's 
scary with the drugs. Yeah. Especially with the fentanyl now these days. Oof, like they dangerous. put that in everything now, just these cheap drugs to just get them off out of their hands and into the addict's hands, right? To yeah. get that next fix. Yeah. It's dangerous. But yeah, I never... <coughs> so alcohol was a thing and smoking from very young that I was addicted to smoking. It was kind of on and off too. I think I couldn't always afford it too. But I remember telling my mom once, my mom asked me how I could afford to smoke because we were so broken. She didn't she didn't know where I was getting smokes from. And I remember telling my mom, yeah, and I felt stupid after that I had said that, but I told her that when you live for the devil, the devil will, devil will provide. Hmm. And her being a smoker and my dad being a smoker, like, I don't know if that put any thoughts into her head. But. <laughs> that was something that just came to you when you yeah. answered that question. So, <clears throat> yeah, then I, uh, so from, I think it was like probably age 13 or probably 14 that I got hammered the first time. Mm. And, uh, and with all the pain that I was dealing with, the baggage that I was carrying, I remember on weekends sometimes I would uh, I just try to get as hammered as I could and just to, to numb the pain, I guess. And then over the time that I was really into partying and whatnot, my dad got arrested and he'd served five months behind bars and, and kind of feeling relieved that I didn't have to answer to him. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, trying to bury some hurt. So anytime I could get my hands on alcohol, I would, right? So, yeah, and then eventually it led to where I was having alcohol, like, pretty much. Like, it was a couple times a week where mm-hmm. I would, if, if I could, I could I would get drunk. And, uh, yeah, and then when I was 17, I decided to, to uh, leave that because... I always had this dream of getting my truck license, right? Like mm-hmm. Get my AZ, and and I didn't want to mess up my record. Right. So then when I got my G2s, I didn't want to be drinking and driving. So it was actually just like that. I'd left the alcohol. I, yeah, I'd still have a he- beer here and there, but I would no never drink and drive. Drunk. And then, uh, yeah, so at 17, I met my wife. And uh, I actually ended up messing up my record for, for stunt driving. Right oh, down. boy. 19 in light line here, I got pulled over, but, uh, I wasn't for drinking and driving, I guess, but, yeah, and then, uh, but yeah, meeting my wife was kind of my first break in my life, I guess, where I finally felt like I was wanted, uh-huh. and, uh, I remember spending hours and hours in her room just talking, and she didn't know it at the time, what she, what, how she was helping me, but she knows now, uh, you know, the time, the hours that we talked and whatnot, but, like, it's just... I guess pouring my heart out to her and just sharing stuff like she was she has no idea what she did like how much she helped me by just listening right Mm -hmm. and showing me that she cared and so finally I felt like someone cared for me right so finally got this hope and joy in life again I know sometimes like my sisters would uh, well my not my sisters my sister would say like you're too fat you'll never get a girlfriend and you the way you treat us you'll never there's no girl will ever take you serious this that the other and it's kind of funny how I was the first one that ended up getting married. Then, <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, we dated two and a half years, no, two years, just over two years, and we got married. You were married at nineteen. Married at nineteen. Okay, me too. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but I guess backtrack a little bit. We decided to get baptized. Yeah. And it was for the right reason, but we didn't get what get what we bargained for essentially mm. um we so we started going through baptism classes and everything and 
and I remember because I worked. I don't know if you know John Bamman, John Maria Bamman. They go to Lighthouse. Yeah, the old uh, couple. No. no oh no! Sorry, couple. John Maria. Younger guy. I think I know who he is. Yeah. Yeah, shorter guy. Yeah. Yeah. So Construction. I was. Yeah, he was yeah. a roofer for. So I worked with John for many years, and uh, he'd sometimes share nibbits of the gospel with me, and I think as much as he felt like he could. Yeah. Because I was, and there's a couple times where me and him would debate about, I would, uh, I'd want to debate stupid stuff, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so, I, I always, uh, it always came back to me how John was always uh, so confident in where, where he was going when he would die. Yeah. And so I remember when I was going through baptism, I wanted that assurance, right? So I was looking for it, and every, every Wednesday I would leave there feeling empty less assured yeah and i remember coming back to work because so i was working for his brother pete banner mm-hmm. and uh so the guys would be telling me like every wednesday you go to wednesday school and then every thursday morning i'd come to work and i'd swear worse and i like i would my You're attitude miserable. yeah hmm. and at the time i couldn't see why but i i can now i can see because every wednesday i'd go there and look i was looking for something and i, I, would, I couldn't find it right mm-hmm but uh, so and then I eventually I came to the conclusion that when the baptism in the baptism that's where I'll get this peace that I'm looking for right right, right. but uh, it was closer towards the end of the Wednesday school um, one day one of the ministers said that uh, he was doing the teaching that day and then he was talking about these people that claim to be born again and that know they're saved and he was saying like you can't know if you're saved mm. and he goes if you get on a jet you know where you're going but you have no idea if you'll get there. <laughs> so he used that analogy, and I was like, and it that really, it struck me, mm-hmm. and I almost felt like quitting at that point. But we, I didn't, never, I never shared with no one how I felt. Yeah. But we still went through with everything, and I remember the day of the baptism. I think I was thinking, yeah, today so I'll get something's gonna happen. Today I'll get this feeling come over me or something, right? And uh, the bap- baptism happened and everything, and I just still didn't have this assurance. And then mm-hmm. I was thinking, okay, well. There must have been something that I forgot to confess. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I remember I'll just start laughing at these things that I was, because I had written. He told, they told us in Lindsay School, and when you have the appointment to confess these things in front of them, that uh, write things down. So I came there with two pages, back to back, filled with, you name it. Like there's sins you had committed, and yep. So I figured I there's I'm not gonna hide nothing. Like there's <laughs> some pretty embarrassing things that I had done. But I figured, you know what? If it's heaven or hell, I choose heaven. Yeah. If this is how I get to heaven, then this is how I get to heaven, right? Like I, I was willing to put uh, to, I was willing to humiliate myself right, to to get to heaven, right? And uh, so yeah. And then after I got baptized, I, I kept thinking like, you know, maybe there was something that I hadn't confessed or or something, right? And uh, so, I, uh, yeah, that evening of our baptism, my wife got baptized in Elmer that morning. And then I got baptized in Tulsenburg that, okay. that evening. So that evening, she wanted to take pictures of, of us holding our baptism certificates. And I was not fond of the idea. I did it for her, but I remember standing there, and I felt like burning them. Like, just felt fake. I, yeah, I felt empty. I felt worse than I had it felt before. Hmm. And, yeah, with that, like, shortly after being baptized, I I fell back right back into the sin that I just yeah. stopped, right? Yeah. Like, I... I I was addicted to porn from very young, like, and any chance I got, I'd uh, put my hands on that stuff, and and that really left a mark on me or whatever. Absolutely. 
and yeah, going forward from there, I, I told Rip uh, back into that. Briefly on the baptism thing, yeah. I was reading in the book of Luke the other day, uh, this morning perhaps even, when Jesus was baptized, as he was coming up out of the water, the Spirit descended upon him like a dove, confirming him, right? Yeah. And so the Mennonites place a lot of emphasis on baptism for reasons like that. Yeah. They say, look, when you get baptized, something happens. The Spirit comes. Mm-hmm. When I claimed um, several years after that I had not been born again at my baptism, my mom said, too, like, I, I felt the Spirit of God come into the room. I know it. You know, it was like a wind that came in. I'm like, that was actually wind. um, Jesus was a special case you know he he overcame as a man and he had become the perfect man to the point where his father said from heaven this is my son in whom I am well pleased and then the spirit of God came upon him and drove him into the wilderness so it's it was a different case right where we get baptized now to symbolize to show to dedicate ourselves to commit ourselves publicly right like I am a believer in Jesus I'm trusting in him so yeah. But yeah, right back into the same sin. I know exactly what you're going yeah. through. We, we thought we were getting baptized for the right reasons. We said, we're not going to do it just for marriage. We're going to try to change. But that's not the right reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what yeah. I'm saying, right? I thought it was the right reason. But the right reason is actually not, I'm going to be better. The right reason is, I could never be good enough, and I'm trusting Jesus. Yep. So I didn't do it for the right reasons. Right? Yeah. I remember one of the podcasts that you did, I um, forget who it was with, but you were saying too how, like you believed in the father you believed in the holy spirit you believed in the son like you know you believed in the, the trinity but you didn't know the gospel yeah nor was i trusting in what he had exactly done. Yeah. yeah you're trusting in your own works and that's kind of where i was too for for many years and but yeah i felt right back into the sin the, there's one the smoking that was actually something i didn't fall back into uh immediately anyways but uh yeah soon i was uh living in that same guilt of sin or whatever I, I had been before no power in religion no power in religion that's right but yeah i was trusting in trusting in the the religious system and it didn't work right yeah so yeah we went into marriage and somehow i was thinking that that was going to fix things right but should take away the loss right now, yeah now that it's free you're allowed to do what you want yeah and i think porn didn't actually come back till into in our marriage because i, I was pretty pretty sure i was good in that area until after we got married but i remember feeling uh, that first winter that was that i was uh, uh married my wife was working at eci in tulsenburg and and i was roofing but it was a pretty slow winter and lots of weather that didn't allow us to work mm-hmm. so i was home a lot and i felt like i wasn't being the husband that i should be right because I, I wasn't Not working she was working right so but i still did a lot of things around the house looking back now like I what took, else could you do? Yeah, I took care of the house, right? But yeah, and then that slowly uh, fell back into the pornography, and and then eventually, you know, that eats you up, and mm-hmm. and I had to confess it to my wife, and that was, you know, very shocking. It's really hurtful. Yeah, and and I understand that now, right? But at the time, I was like, oh, I'm just confessing. Like, can't you just forgive me, right? But, yeah. And uh, I didn't do anything. I'm just looking. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, there was. Uh, she, I guess, in the beginning of her marriage, she didn't really know how to share. She wasn't as open as I was. She didn't know how to share her struggles or her um, emotions with me, and so I got a lot of silent, silent treatment. And yeah, yeah. No, if any anybody that knows me knows that I don't like that stuff. It's hard <laughs> so, to deal with. Yeah, so it caused a little bit of 
conflict in our marriage. We have had a very, like, we've been married 10 years now, and we've had a very good marriage. I, uh, I'm very thankful for where our marriage is. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, I, there was friction because of the communication, right? Yeah. Well, your sin and her silence and she's yeah. not knowing how to deal with it, that's a bad recipe. Yeah. It's amazing that your marriage is good. Exactly. Right? Well, statistically, our marriage should be in the dumps, exactly. right? Exactly. But yeah, we should have been there, too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, by God's grace, it is. Absolutely. So, yeah, and then uh, kind of, so we got married in 2013. And, uh, yeah, we just went with the system, I guess. Go with the flow. Go with the flow. Then we you were going to calm down. No more drug or no more drinking and partying. I was actually drinking was uh, came back soon too, mm. and uh, not that I'd ever like. I don't think I've ever gotten drunk after we got married, but uh, yeah, it was um, it was everywhere. Like her family at the time, there was pretty much anywhere we go, they were drinking. Right, mm. there would always be alcohol. And I remember in the beginning, I didn't so much take part uh, part in it because I always felt like I just went through baptism. We just stopped all this stuff, you know, and let me get my shirt dirty. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I couldn't believe that all these men had gone through the same thing. And now we're there. Were, Did it not mean anything? Yeah. Like now they're all t- taking part in this, these party, well, not parties, but pretty much every gathering, barbecue, whatever. It had to always be alcohol, right? And so and then when we would host, I felt like, well, last time we were there and they had alcohol, so now I got to buy alcohol, and I know that caused some friction between me and my wife, too. She hated that. She was like, well, they don't have to, like, if they're not okay with cocoa, then they just they don't need to drink, right? But, so, she always felt like they didn't need, to, I didn't need to buy alcohol, yeah. and I always felt like I had to, and so it caused a little bit of friction there, but, yeah, we, uh, yeah, I guess, kind of just went with the flow and went to church, and at the time we were going to the Tulsenburg Old Colony, and, and then they uh, bought the Corbin Church there. So we, I guess, for some reason, I kind of put some hope into that church. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I knew it was a lot of the younger people that were kind of going towards Cortland. Yeah. So I always said, like, the old people can stay in Tulsenburg. We want to go to Cortland. I, I didn't like the friction that was always at the uh, brother meetings. Like, I had never, at, at, to this day, I had never gone to a, I had never gone to a meeting in at Tulsenburg Church, like a brother meeting, where someone didn't lose their cool. Really? Like, it was always heated. Always a fight. Yep. And, uh, wow. I, and then I remember the first meeting I went to, actually, after a baptism, it was before I was married. Um, I went to a meeting, and I just couldn't believe. Like, I, I thought, you know, here, we're going to go to a meeting. We're going to have, you know, we talk about things and get things done. And and then right away is the arguing. And the I remember there was a guy that had uh, drank before he went there. So he had the nerve to say whatever he wanted to say. And I just couldn't believe that that would happen at a yeah. meeting like that. And then there's ministers there too, and they weren't much better. Yeah, I know, I remember them arguing back or screaming back and stuff. I wasn't at this meeting, but I've shared this story before. Before I was very, very stuck on Old Colony, and a, a friend of mine at the time was just coming out of it. And we were all kind of coming out of it, but he was like, okay, these people that left the church, they started a new church, and they were troublemakers, and I was taught from young on. The church taught that these guys are bad, they're false prophets, they're speculated and foise, yeah, like they're too, too aviashoot and all that kind of stuff. And I was in full agreement of that. And then he, this guy described to me at one of the brothers' meetings, 
one of these people was asking, can we start some Bible studies? Can we do some English study? And can we, you know, change things up a little bit? And he had grown a bit of a beard. Oh, yeah. And they mocked him. Even the preachers had come by and mocking him. One of the, I think it was maybe a Fushtire or something like that, had come over and pulled on his yeah. beard pretty hard. And then my friend asked me, he says, so even if this guy was wrong for asking, can we do Bible study? Even if this group was wrong for wanting to leave, do you think they did what was right? And yeah. I'm like, no, that doesn't sound right. That sounds like the way they treated Jesus. Exactly. Well, uh, and a lot of people, especially our uh, Mennonite background, they don't understand it was the religious people that nailed him to the cross. Absolutely. The, it wasn't the vault mansion like the worldly people the as they always think, right? Yeah. And uh, that was one thing I used to not understand either. Like I, in the old colony church, I always thought like we were the only ones that, we were the chosen, right? But, uh, and now I I see it that, like a vault mantra, yeah, like the world is anybody that's not been, that hasn't been born again, right? Yeah. And I've, I've said this to people before, like, in our background, like, they, they always called everybody else vault mansion, but the vault mansion, they're still sitting there too. Like, anybody that's not born again is still a vault mansion. Yeah. And, uh. But vault mansion, by the way, is worldly person, someone who is of the world. Right? Yeah. We're, we're just using German words as if everybody understands. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I didn't under, you used to not understand that, but. Yeah. So you started this Cortland group there and you were attending there and it seemed a little bit more exciting. Maybe there was some life here. Maybe there's some hope for a little bit of change. Yeah. And then at, uh, one of the brother meetings, um, Herman Froze was principal at the time. And, uh, he came up to me and asked me if I'd want to teach, he was Sunday school principal. And he asked me if I'd want to teach Sunday school. He needed to teach for the grade six class. And uh, at first, I was like, "No, that's not going to happen." But on second thought, I was like, "You know what? Maybe this." Because I was still very works based, right? So I was like, "Oh, maybe this is a way a way I can suck up to God or mm-hmm. finally get this peace that I'm looking for." Yeah, I was looking for a peace, and I was thinking that maybe this was a, a way to get it, right? And also, at the same time. Um, they were looking for Zengash being on and my dad had made the comment to me one time that my my uncle had mentioned me and my uncle was a singer so I was like there's no way I'm getting on that I better quickly start Sunday school oh yeah so I figured this was a way to secure me out of a a spot in there so I wouldn't have to be on a Zenga bank right Mm -hmm. so yeah so I started teaching Sunday school and and yeah, it's kind of weird how at the same time I was I was looking for this piece, I I was very works based that and thought that I could earn my salvation, right? And yeah, sure. Looking back now, I I would have if someone would have came up to me, I would have claimed to be a Christian, but didn't have this piece that I was looking for, right? Mm-hmm. And it happened a couple times where someone would share nippets of the gospel with me and. I just didn't want anything to do with it. I everybody shooting it, right? Like mm-hmm. they were lost. But uh, yeah, and then uh, come uh, 2019, that I was kind of at the lowest of my lows at that point, uh, as far as uh, like big depression and whatnot. All you have a couple of kids by now, or no? 2019. So yeah, I would have had two kids by then. Yeah. So yeah, probably a third one on the way. But anyways, um, so I heard about a Bible study that had been started by 
one of the old colony Pushtash. Okay. From Cortland. I don't know if you know Benny Dyke. Benny Tina Dyke? No. But he, anyways, he started uh, the Bible study. Him and Johnny Hildebrand. And uh, so I figured, well, this is ran, ran by the old, like some people from the old colony, right? So it should be safe. Should be safe. But at the same time, I was so sick of looking for peace at that point where I said to my, and I had listened <coughs> to some, because uh, being a truck driver, you got lots of time to listen to lots of things on the road, right? So I had listened to different ministries, one not all, and, and uh, I was so sick of looking for this peace that I couldn't find. And I said to my wife, I said, this is, this will be the final thing we'll try. Um, I said, we're going to try to go on this Bible study. And if this doesn't work, then, you know, we'll throw everything out. I don't even want to be a Christian anymore. Just quit church. and Yep. And uh, at this Bible study, I started getting lots of answers. Like, those people there, they have no idea what what was going on in my life at that time, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, and then we, so we started going to the Bible study. And then um, my uh, one of my buddies had been at the men's encounter. And... Uh, he was, oh yeah, so he was a, a big part of the influence, of my influence or whatever, that he, yeah, he influenced me in many ways and led me, or yeah, pointing, kind of, he was kind of my pointer, right, pointing yeah. me in the directions, and he was born again, he's also a truck driver, and so I talked to him quite a bit, and one day I remember asking him, I was like, because he was sharing things, and I was just like, I, I remember asking him, I said, hey, where do you go to church? Because I, I thought there's no way this guy's from the old colony, right? And uh, he said the old colony. Yeah. So that's kind of where I put my, tr- uh, where I started trusting him, right? Because I figured he's, he goes to the old colonies, he understands the system and everything. Yeah. And so I, I l- listened to the things that he had to say. and and uh, But yeah, he was anyways the one that really impacted me. And and uh, he pointed me towards the men's encounter. And, and at that point, I had nothing to lose, right? So I figured, go check it out. And, uh, Right before the men's encounter, a really big spiritual battle. I, I wanted to, to go, but I had so much other stuff that I needed oh, yeah. need to be done. and so That happens pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. There's a spiritual battle going oh, on. Oh, yeah. Spiritual warfare. warfare and mm-hmm. never knew how much that, that how real that is. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I... Um, there was a couple of guys from the, the Bible study group that were going to go. So that kind of pushed me, too. And uh, so, yeah, I we went to the men's encounter. That's amazing to me still. Like, I talked to a guy named Cordy Penner the other day. He was very involved with Men's Encounter, too. Yeah, and uh, he's still old colony. And somehow they're... I mean, he got in tr- some in trouble for it. I kind of made some ripples in the church and stuff like that. But how is it that anybody at the old colony would dare go to something like that? Like, it's nothing nothing like old colony. They won't go to other churches, but they'll go to that. Well, I've noticed, like, I've gone to a couple of them now. And it's always the ones that are... Uh, like that come to come there from the old colony or well i shouldn't say always but a lot of these guys they're they're uh they're the ones that are broken the the most right and looking for answers the guys that are that are serious about uh yeah looking for answers i guess i should mm-hmm. say but uh yeah so we i went to the men's encounter and that's where they have a good very good way of um showing you what christ did on the cross right so that's where I finally seen that I couldn't be good enough. I couldn't, essentially, I couldn't work my way into heaven. Right? I couldn't suck unless up to God. Unless your sins are nailed to the cross with Christ, then you have no hope, right? Exactly. So yeah, that's where my eyes opened, and that's I remember between the sessions. So my wife, yeah, so my wife was pregnant at the time. That's right, because we weren't supposed to have our phones on us. But I, 
told I made an excuse in my head that I uh, I was I had an exception because my wife was pregnant at home, so what if she needed something, right? So mm-hmm. uh, they give us little breaks here and there, and then at the one of the breaks, I remember going outside and running around till I got service and making a phone call to her, and I just said like something happened to me, right? And I knew I was now different than. Can you can you pinpoint what it was that you heard or what? Was... Um, did they have a very good way of explaining how what what Christ did on the cross for you, right? Mm-hmm. So it was this idea that I there's nothing that I could do to earn the salvation, right? Yeah. It was about what Christ had done for me, and that was where I finally seen that it was a free gift. It was it mm-hmm. wasn't I didn't have to earn it, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, and I just remember this peace coming over me like I had never felt before. Yeah. yeah. Nobody needs to tell you that you need to have confidence at that point, right? It's like, oh. Exactly. And the work is done. Yeah, and then they gave us uh, a scripture that uh, to know that, uh, yeah, where it says you can know you're, if you're saved. Like, my favorite Bible verse is First uh, John five thirteen. Like, yeah. these things have I written to those who believe that you may know that you have the eternal That's life. Right. Like, we can know. And I was taught you can't know, right? So... That yeah, with all that just coming together, it just that's where I finally accepted what Christ did on the cross for me. And nice. and before that, even like I I said the like I heard the sinner's prayer uh, plenty of times and whatnot all. And I said the sinner's prayer and whatnot all. And it never meant nothing to me. And I to this day I kind of don't like it when people use the sinner's prayer because there's so many false converts, right? Yeah. People <clears throat> I said the prayer once, whatever. Like I mean, I could lead almost any young person, especially yeah. with kids. Like, do you want to go to heaven? Of course I do. Do you want to go to hell? No, no. Of course, yeah. say, this in a prayer. say this prayer. Yeah. Like, uh, ask Jesus to come into your heart. Is that is that what saves? Yeah. Does Jesus coming into my heart change something? No. Jesus going to the cross changes everything. Amen. Does He come into my heart? Yes, of course. Exactly. But it's not. I'm not asking Him to come into my heart. I'm thanking Him for going to the cross. Exactly. I'm thanking Him for going into the grave and coming back out without sin. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then even in that moment where my eyes opened up, I realized that if I was the only one in this world, like He would have done it for me. Like it was personal to me. Yeah, right? Yeah. What He did on the cross was for me, and it was you know for you it was for everyone. Yeah. But. Yeah, I used to, I, I knew that, uh, you know, he went to die for our sins and this, that, and the other, but it was never personal until that moment. That's right. Amen. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of where... That was quite a transformation. Yeah. And at that point, I just, it's like someone, you know, those little cars that you back up and you mm-hmm. let go and they just fly. <laughs> that's kind of where I, what I felt like, what I, where I was. Okay. And, and that uh, was about four years ago, just over? Yeah, twenty end of 2019. Yeah, so around four years. Yeah. Awesome. October-ish. But yeah, and that's where our journey kind of took off. My wife went to the Women's Encounter the following month in Texas. Oh, okay. We flew her out to Texas, and then, yeah, she accepted uh, Christ there too, so. Interesting. I find the people that get into those encounters, they're willing to travel across the world to get to the next one, right? Yeah. Well, she was pregnant, and uh, so we were due around March, April. I'm not even sure when it was. In the spring, sometimes I should know this because it's my daughter's birthday. Don't. <laughs> anyways, um, it was June actually, I think. No, I'm not even say. But anyway, so she was due in the spring sometime, and that was when the next woman's encounter was supposed to be down here. And and I was like, we can't wait that long. There's no way we can wait that wait that long. And then we didn't have the money at the time either for the ticket, right? But I told her like we got credit cards. So like this is worth. Like we put so many dumb things on the credit card. This is worth putting on a credit card. Okay. So, yeah, she went out to 
to the woman's encounter in Texas. And wow. Then I went, I packed up the kids. It was a Friday afternoon. I packed up the kids and we went down, drove down there for the homecoming. Okay. She had no idea we were coming down there, so it was kind of cool. She walked in there when they came back right to the church where they all met up. She, she came back and just, she knew that, you know, the other guy, or other ladies were going to have their men there to right. pick them up and whatnot. And all of a sudden she just looks up at, and she sees me there, or sees me and the girls. We had two girls at the time and, and her eyes, like, I couldn't even help myself. I started crying. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was a joy. It was and she had had quite an experience there too. Or? Yeah, so she had an experience there too, and yeah, it was kind of cool. We left around nine ish. We left Paris, Texas, and around six o'clock in the morning, we were just chatting all night. We were driving back. I said we would drive till we got tired, whatever, rent the motel, if if need be. And uh, uh, remember, we were just talking and talking and talking. We just had all this joy in our, us, right? And at six o'clock in the morning, also, I asked her, "What what time is it?" She looks at the phone, it's like 6 o'clock in the morning. We had driven all night just talking. Like, <laughs> that was awesome. Forgot to sleep. Forgot to sleep. Oh, yeah. awesome. There was no need for sleep. We were both hyped. Like, especially since she now seen what i seen. And yeah. just, we were both hyped up so much. And it was it was an awesome experience. Wow. And so you brought that energy back into Old Colony? Or did you guys leave shortly after? We left shortly after. So a thing that happened shortly before I went to the men's encounter at one of the... Uh, morning services at church one of the ministers said that that like i'm going to just say it in german because that's how he said it then but he said mm, let's not follow the devil to these uh, events like men's encounters yeah so and then he said yet yeah, like I, he goes i don't even know really what goes on there but i i know as much as what goes on there is not good mm-hmm so then when I was at this men's encounter, I just remember feeling like I've never had never felt the Holy Spirit like I did there, right? And uh, the love, like the brotherly love, it, it overwhelmed me. And uh, I remember going that, going there and just thinking, and when I was there, I was thinking like, how can they call this a work of the devil? Like if they're calling this a work of the devil, then essentially they're calling God the devil. Like, and that just, it yeah. did something to me, right? And we weren't. We hadn't planned on leaving the church at first, but with this whole Bible study, um, yeah, they kicked the pushed out. Like the I don't know what a pushed out is in English, but yeah, I wouldn't know the exact term either. Yeah, so the guy that started it, anyways, he had a position there at church, and and uh, they kicked him off of his position. Or they, I think it was actually t- uh, re- time for re- his renewal or oh, something. Okay. But so he couldn't run again if he wasn't going to leave the Bible study. So he decided not to leave the Bible study. He felt like. You know, it was a call on his life, right? So, so he uh, he got kicked off, and with that whole thing that blew up, we just decided, you know what? If this we, is this is a place that clearly does not accept the truth of the scriptures, yeah, and is not interested in joy or in you know yeah. freedom in Christ. Yeah, so, so the freedom, I think that's they don't want the people to live in the freedom of mm-hmm. Christ, right? So yeah, we decided, you know, instead of causing trouble here, we'll just leave, right? And uh, so yeah. It was shortly after I got back from the men's encounter, we started attending Lighthouse anyways. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of took off from there. And I hear now you've been sharing your story here and there, different places, and just trying to help other people free them up and get them to understand the gospel. I'm sure you're on on different groups, probably, on WhatsApp and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I've had to delete some groups. Truck driver evangelism? Yeah, well, uh, I was on this Truckers for Christ group for a while, too, but it was... It gets yeah, to be too much. It gets sometimes. too busy sometimes, right? 
But yeah, I, uh, I've shared my testimony, I don't know how many times already. It seems like I've just shared it and then I get asked to share it somewhere else. Or yeah. It's, yeah. Sometimes but, God has a, a way of opening doors and teaching you about your giftings in peculiar ways, right? I, I didn't ever think of myself as a preacher or as a communicator even. And shortly after I got saved, I was asked to share my testimony and it got me emotional and it made me, you know, I just shared it with, with joy and it wasn't too long after that people started saying, like, hey, that made a lot of sense what you shared there. Or the way you said that, it really opened my eyes. I'm like, I thought I was stumbling around and not, you know, whatever. Yep. And so then one time I remember a guy saying to me, he says, you know, make sure you don't get proud. I'm like, proud of what? Yeah. Well, the way you said that, I'm like, huh. So it must have come out pretty good if, if you think I should be proud of it. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm sure I've struggled with pride plenty of times, right? But that's how you kind of start to understand, well, what is God calling me to, right? And if you're being called to do those kinds of things i don't know mm-hmm. but very likely speaking and sharing the scriptures sharing the truth of the gospel is for sure something you're called to because we're all yeah called we're to all called share to the gospel that. yeah i was listening to your podcast today the where you're talking about how um back in the day they traded they basically traded off sharing the gospel for land right how they were told, okay, if you don't share the gospel, we'll, you know, let you guys have this land. Some of our early Mennonites yeah, back in Russia. back in the, our That's ancestors. What I've heard, yeah. yeah, and uh, I've heard that uh, before too, but it just reminded me again today how, you know, we all have, it, like, it was a commandment from Jesus, like, to go out and share the gospel. And we're all supposed to do this. I mean, I know for me, I don't, I don't dear, do it nearly enough. And when an opportunity arises, sometimes you feel the spirit nudging you you know should share the gospel with him and you don't right yeah um we're all called to do it and it's just not common among especially amongst our mennonites because of you know they basically like you said they they traded it back then for land and and now it's almost like a rule like don't ever go talk to people if somebody comes and asks you you can answer those questions but that's about it it's become one of the traditions right one of their religious beliefs but it's not to share but uh yeah just I guess I've shared my testimony a few times and and uh, done some teachings, stuff like oh, that. That's cool. Um, you're married. You live where? Uh, Eden, Ontario. Eden, right now. and you have how many kids now? We have four kids. Four kids. Married ten years. Four girls. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what's the what's the next few years looking like? Do you think? I don't know. I guess see where God takes me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but as far as work goes, I plan on staying in the truck for, for the time being anyways. Yep, pays always, the bills. Uh, yep, pays the bills, and I enjoy doing it. I've uh, I've said before that uh, I hope God needs truck drivers in heaven, because I don't know if I'm going to be able to drive enough miles down here. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I really enjoy driving, and because it gives you a lot of free time, right? Especially yeah. in the mornings, listening to stuff, I really love that. Oh, yeah, you could listen to sermons or podcasts or whatever all day long, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. And I've done hours and hours and hours of that. And just, you know, hanging out on the phone with buddies and stuff like that. I really yep. enjoy that. And My first few years of being a Christian was in a truck as well. I wasn't the driver, but I was the passenger. And uh, I read the Bible through several times. And I listened to sermon after sermon after sermon. And it was like a, a Bible education. Yeah. Almost, almost like going to school, right? Where uh, a lot of guys that I know were truck drivers. And they really, really... Um, how do you say it? They hold those days dear because that was when they got their education. That's when they came to not just know the Lord personally, as in like I know He's with me, but they came to know the Bible, right? Yeah. And listen to hours and hours of stuff, and so well, it is a blessing for sure. Yeah, and I never knew how 
like you can listen to like books of the Bible, and it doesn't even take that long. Like I'll yeah. listen to you know by the time I'm in St. Thomas, I can have lo- listened to a, a whole whole book, you know. Yeah. And it's only like, what forty minute drive from here to St. Thomas. Like yeah. you can listen to so much uh, with so much time, right? Yeah, and, that's right. And some people listen or they learn really well by hearing. Some learn really well by reading, and some by seeing, right? So depending on how you learn, it's uh, yeah. I'm more of a listener than a reader. I don't know. Especially now, my eyes eyesight is not as good as it used to be, and then uh, I don't know. I find myself listening to it more than mm-hmm. reading. But well, the the whole podcast thing has kind of taken the world by storm in a sense, where almost all media is now shifting to that type of platform because everybody can do that. Yeah. Whereas before, reading, you know, a huge chunk of our population can read, but who actually really likes to read? Yeah. It's usually just the, the teachers and the professors and the some preachers <laughs> and stuff like that. Right? Yeah. They sit and they read for hours. But who can't listen to something while they're running, while they're working, while they're, you know, driving tractor or, you know, almost everybody can do that. So now all of a sudden the whole world is learning really quickly. Universities have become almost irrelevant. You can get a university degree just by listening to talks on YouTube. And now you can learn a bunch of Bible doctrine. There's still something to be said for sitting down and actually trying to get an education, but... You know, you can. You don't have to let that stop you from from educating yourself and yeah, getting ahead. Yeah, I recently did a um, a short devotional at our school, and uh, on uh, Wednesday morning, and I just even it was you know I did a on Noah and the Ark, and then kind of how you know it resembles the gospel. Like it, you can get the gospel like out of all these uh, stories mm-hmm. in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. right? And it was probably a 15 minute devotional that I did there and the time that goes into the study like and the things you learn with you know just by looking up oh yeah your study it's it's amazing and yeah you take you know a couple hour or several hours worth of information and condense it to 15 minutes right yeah yeah and then you do you don't like you find so much more than just what you're actually studying so that has been a blessing too right on well anything else that you had really hoped to touch on I think we're just over an hour now, so that's quick. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I kind of told your story. Told my story. No, I'm sure there's cool. probably going to be guys listening to this and hoping I'll share, go more into depth, right, of my past. But uh, I guess to kind of protect others that were involved in my story, I yeah. won't go too much no, into depth. But that's wise. And yeah, like <laughs> looking back now, I have a heart for uh, our Mennonite people, mm-hmm. right? Um, I want everybody to come to the truth, right? I used to think that you can't think outside the box because, you know, Ewoshreiten, they always said Ewoshreiten or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I want nothing more for them for the people to know the truth. That's right. Especially before Christ comes. Like, you know, eternity is way too long to not know the, tr- That's the, true. the truth and to come to the uh, knowledge of the gospel, yeah. right? Yeah, on one hand, when I first got saved, I kind of had this mentality a little bit that, well, the old, the old-fashioned, old colony type of people, they they're not going to get it, so we should maybe start sharing with the world, and that, that should be happening either way. Like Mennonites should be, if you understand the gospel, should be sharing with everybody, yeah, not just Dicha, yeah, you know. But at the same time, I started f- realizing that as I shared and talked, and di- even as I started doing videos. 95% of the people are Mennonites. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, okay, then I'll just lean into that. Like, yeah. they need to hear it as well as anybody. And so I'll just keep sharing it with them as much as I can. I'll share with anybody. 
But, you know, especially, you know, I think of the Apostle Paul, too, in the book of Romans, he talks about how he had this great love for his own kinsmen yes. after yeah. the flesh, right, the Jews. Even though he went and preached to the Gentiles constantly, his heart was still that the Jews would be saved. Yeah. Well, part of his motivation to preach to the Gentiles was to make the Jews jealous so that they would come, too, right? Yeah. And so, same idea, right? Like, uh, we want we want everybody to be saved, but, the, you know, if the Mennonite people can open their eyes to see what beauty they're holding in this book like they hold it they know it they oh, have man. it it's all there it's right there i remember when, like after i got saved and reading the bible it was a whole new book to me yeah. and then you know the with leaving the church and everything that the what it uh, did in the family like right away is uh you know there was conflict between me and my parents and and uh even had uh, uh my uncle come over he was an old colony preacher right and and to answer all the questions they had, we did a lot of studying. Oh yeah, and it was a good time. Like if I I look back now, that's probably where we grew the most, like the fastest, I yep, guess. Me too. Yeah, but uh, it it helps getting for sure getting that. But yeah, I guess that's good. No, keep sharing and keep you know spreading the good news. Amen. Appreciate you coming over. Yeah, appreciate you having me. Yeah.